0: This morning, we love to worship with you, and we 're anticipating being together again. Thank you for everybody who added their greetings this morning it's great to see your faces digitally, but it's even better to see you personally we're looking forward to that time. So we get into the word this morning. I have a question for you. maybe you can answer this with the people that you're with or if you're on our feed this morning, uh, you can comment with your favorite bread. maybe we might even start. a uh, a whole separate conversation uh, different than this message. It's okay to comment. It's okay to engage. We want you to be able to do that. This is a time to gather together as a community. Hey, listen, if something's going good, if you hear something from the Lord in the midst of this message, encourage me, comment amen, encourage the other people that are listening that God is doing something in your heart. So let me ask you this question. This is the one to answer. What's your favorite kind of bread? I don't know about you, but I had some sandwiches this week, and we're going to have a review posted online later this week uh, of some really uh, sweet, traditional New York style deli sandwiches that were on Al Cohen's rye bread. That bread for me is like one of the best. Soft, beautiful for a sandwich. It toasts great. I don't know if you've ever had rye bread with a peanut butter and jelly on rye bread toast. Phenomenal. Blow your mind. But here's the thing about bread. You might have a favorite bread. You might have a bunch of different favorite breads if you're wired that way. But here's what I know. Bread doesn't do me good. My body does not Feel good when I eat bread. I've just discovered that over the last few years. Most of the time, I can do without it, but every once in a while, I just have this craving for a piece of bread, and it goes well with the meal that I'm doing it. And now I know that a bunch of people uh, feel the same way about bread. In fact, maybe you, in the midst of this uh, stay at home order, have done what a bunch of people have done, and you've gone on the make your own bread at home craze. I know a bunch of people have done it because I've tried to shop for yeast in the store, and it's been empty for weeks and weeks. Now, uh, we wanted to get some yeast because we were trying out a Chicago-style deep-dish crust pizza, and we wanted to make our own dough at home, and it required yeast. And so we found an old packet back in the cupboard, and my parents happen to have a bunch of yeast that they use for agricultural purposes at their house. And so we combined those two together. We, made, we finally found the yeast. We made the crust, the Chicago-style crust, and I'm telling you, it was worth the search If anybody wants to know what that's like, just comment info, please, and uh, maybe I can get back to you and give you what that recipe looks like. But here's the thing. Yeast is a powerful substance. Having yeast made all the difference in the world to what we were doing. Yeast uh, changes and reacts with what it's put with, especially with bread, and it changes the nature of what it comes in contact with. Scripturally, yeast is most often referred to in a negative light. It's referenced to sin. It's reference to the work of the enemy in our lives. It's something that represents something bad in our lives. Specifically, it's often referenced into something small that's not good for us, that grows into something larger in our lives. It takes a small thing like bread and it puffs it full of air. It takes a small thing that's stable and it ferments it and turns it into something else and makes it explosive. Listen, when yeast is known, when we know what kind of yeast we're dealing with, it can produce wonderful results. The bread that you taste tastes better because it has yeast in it. The bread that you eat tastes better because that fermentation process creates a texture and an air and a flavor that develops, and it's one of the greatest parts of bread. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, When you know what yeast you're getting, you know what product you're going to get. In ancient times, when people would make uh, wine, it you. The, the yeast would turn the grape juice into wine and depending on what kind of yeast was naturally available in those grapes depended on the flavors that you would get from the wine but in modern times grape uh, crushers and wine makers use a specific type of yeast in their wine because they know the results that it will have there's natural yeast still occurring in the grapes but when they add this specific type of of controlled yeast to the wine or to the grape juice, it produces a consistent good product in the wine. It actually overtakes the natural yeast that's there, and it produces a fermentation that's pleasurable to drink. Yeast is made to dominate. That's the idea of what it does. As it grows in our lives, it takes over and it dominates. The Bible talks about yeast a bunch, and Jesus specifically mentions yeast. I want to look today at Mark chapter 8, that's going to be our scripture reference this morning. We're going to look starting in verse 14 and read through verse 21, and we're going to see what Jesus had to say about yeast and what it means to us. What we're reading in Mark chapter 8 is an outbreak of leaven. We're going through a series called outbreak. We're using that term, uh, intentionally. And what we mean by this is that every time there's an outbreak of something that's destructive, some work of the enemy in our lives, we need to understand that the Spirit of Lord is ready to outbreak into our lives, to burst into our lives. We discover that God is a God of breakthrough. We discover that God is breaking out with salvation. Today, we're going to see that God is a God who breaks out with understanding in our lives. Let's look at Mark chapter 8. Specifically, let's look at verse 15. Here's what it says. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, warned his disciples who were in the boat with him, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you and we open up your word and we ask for wisdom and understanding. And we trust that because you are speaking to us by your word and by your spirit right now, that we will have an understanding so that we can watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And that God, we would experience your word and your teaching that would impact our hearts right now in a way that transforms us on the inside, in a way that grows to bring your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says to the disciples, watch out for the leaven, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now the disciples, when they, when they heard this, misunderstood what Jesus was saying. In fact, look at the very first verse that we're looking at this morning, the verse right before this, verse 14. It says, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They're in the boat with Jesus. They're traveling across the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee, and they're traveling together with only, out out of the group of them, one loaf of bread. And so it says they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And then Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. In fact, look at the the verse after this, verse 16. At this, when Jesus said this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. What we're seeing here is that their physical reality was not in line with the spiritual reality that Jesus was dealing with. They had one loaf. They had one uh, uh, thing in front of them that they could eat and consume and was real to them. And so when Jesus mentioned leaven, they're thinking bread. And when Jesus mentioned bread, they're thinking, hey, we only have one loaf. And when Jesus says, hey, watch out, They're, they start to argue about what's in front of them, and Jesus says, there's, wait, there's something behind this that's bigger. Realize this, we often find ourselves with a reality that we're living through that is different than Jesus's reality. Now, reality is reality, and the truth is this, God's truth is the truth, but oftentimes we live with other truths that over, overshadow or supersede or give us filters with which we're looking at the reality that's around us, and that's what the, what the disciples were experiencing. They saw their lack of bread as the overriding idea that when Jesus spoke into their hearts, the words that he had filtered through that idea so that they misunderstood what he was talking about. And oftentimes that's the case for us. Understand this also. Jesus is speaking to us and is attempting to bring us into his reality. Every time the Lord speaks by His Spirit. Every time the Lord speaks through His Word, it's an opportunity for Him to take the reality that we have, the filters that we have, our understanding, and bring it into line with His understanding and with His reality. And also understand this, we often miss what He's saying to us because when we hear what He's saying, we immediately look at other people and say, yeah, you need to get this. I don't know if you've ever been in a service before where the preacher is rolling and, it, and he's just hitting point after point. And you're thinking, yeah, preach it, pastor. Go, give it to us. We got this. Get, keep it coming. But the whole time you're saying that, you're thinking how somebody next to you, don't look at your husband or wife right now, is experiencing this and that they need to hear it. That's exactly what the disciples did. They heard this, and immediately in their hearts they accused one another that resulted in arguments about who was responsible for not having enough bread. They misunderstood the whole context of what Jesus was saying, but the specific outcome for them was that they were looking at each other and arguing about what God said, even without understanding about what he was speaking. This manifests in an argument and a disagreement based on this misunderstanding. What was Jesus saying? Let's look at the context of this scripture this morning. To do that, just flip back a little bit in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus has just finished feeding 4,000 people. Scripture said he was moved with compassion because these people had been with him for a long time, and and we see an account of him feeding 4,000. Now understand, before that, he had fed 5,000. So he's a master at this, and he's done these incredible miracles. And it says, after they were done, they got in a boat and they crossed over the river. And verse 11 says this, or sorry, the, the, the lake, the sea. And verse 11 says this, the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, and they came and they started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. The Pharisees were arguing with Jesus about his authority. They said, in what way do you have the right to teach? In what way do you have the right to go around declaring what you are declaring? If you are really who you say you are, show us a miraculous sign so that we can believe in your authority. We have authority, but we want to know what your authority is. They were talking about authority issues. No, Jesus had just given a miraculous sign. He had fed 4,000 people, and so Jesus tells them, no, (laughs) In verse 12, he's like, uh-uh, not going to do it. And he got in the boat, and he left them. I love the abrupt nature of what he says. He says it, and then he just got in the boat, and he left and crossed to the other side of the lake. Now, Jesus was referencing authority issues with the Pharisees, but he also, in the scripture, referenced Herod. Herod, interestingly enough, also was looking for a sign from Jesus. In Luke chapter 23, verse 8, Jesus is before Herod. And this is Herod Agrippa that we're talking about. And he is before Herod at his trial. In other words, Jesus has been arrested uh, on the night of his betrayal. He's gone before Pilate. Pilate hears that the man who is overseeing Galilee, who's ruling that place, happens to be in Jerusalem. And so he sends Jesus to him. And here's what it says. <clears throat> Excuse me, In verse 8 of chapter 23 of Luke, Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him, and he had been hoping for a long time to see him perform some miracle. He wanted to see if this guy was the real deal, if he had the authority to do what he was said he was doing. Jesus highlighted in calling out the, the leaven, the, the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod, the predominant authorities of the time. The first one was a religious authority. The Pharisees were the religious authority of the time. They were a sect that had been around for about 200 years. They weren't a, a large portion of the population, but they had an overarching influence on the population. Many looked to them. They had a bunch of good qualities, in fact. Scripture says that there was, they believed in a future for the dead, as opposed to others who just believed that all we had was this life. They were champions of human equality. They also had an emphasis on, on ethical teaching. They wanted to make sure that what was taught applied to people's lives. But they were also often the target of Jesus's ire. Often because they were seeking to demonstrate or preserve their religious authority. Many people came to them and they wanted to preserve their place in that society, their place of honor and their place of influence. He was. They were often the, the source of Jesus's ire because they claimed to have a corner on the truth to the exclusion of many others. They were always keeping people out from what God wanted them to do, or they demanded more of them in a way that would keep them from worshiping the Lord. They had, a ver- they had a focus on minor things. In other words, they were obsessed with the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. Jesus was very clear that they, they did not do what they taught. <clears throat> on the outside, they looked good, but on the inside, they were not re- their hearts were not reformed. Their minds were not reformed. They were not in love with God. They taught about God, but they didn't love him. And they converted people to a dead religion, which gave them a false sense of security and resulted in the people who were following them, Jesus said, being more the sons of hell than they were before. It unleashed hell in their lives. That was the religious authority that Jesus was criticizing. He also criticized Herod. Did I say Herod Agrippa? I meant Herod Antipas. Wrong Herod. There's a bunch of Herods. Look it up. This Herod was Herod Antipas, and I believe I got that right. He was a political authority over Galilee. His father was Herod the Great, and Jesus uh, was, the sorry, his father was Herod the Great, and he was one of the four rulers who took over Herod the Great's territory after his death. He was called a tetrarch. He wasn't called a king, and he ruled over the region of Galilee and Perea. They were separated a little bit in terms of their territory, but he had authority over those. Now, here's the problem with Herod. He had divorced his wife and married his brother's wife. He had also killed John the Baptist. In fact, the Gospel of Matthew uh, says that Jesus had just learned about John's death before this feeding of the 5,000 and of this warning. He presided over Jesus' trial. We mentioned that before. Pilate had sent Jesus to him. And he lived within the legacy of his father. His father, Herod the Great, was always interested in preserving his political power, of raising himself up as Herod the Great. And he certainly lived within that, trying to do whatever he could to angle himself into his father's legacy, and did almost anything to keep that power. Both of these authorities, Jesus said, were to be watched out for. Both of these authorities were to we were to disciples were to be aware of. <clears throat> he described them as leaven. He said, "Listen, watch out for the yeast. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod," because Jesus understood there was something about the nature of what they taught that would grow in the hearts of the people. He said, listen, make sure that you understand a little bit of this can seep in and can grow into something much bigger. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 12, we'll just mention it, he says this, he identifies the leaven as the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let me get on a soapbox here. Please, let me, let me tell you, I have the honor of challenging each person that's listening this morning. We are in a time where the same teachings are going around. The same influences, religious influence, that's not kingdom influence, and political influence, that's not kingdom influence. Authority in both of those areas. We live in a time of crisis that what's right in front of us is what we are looking at. People are thinking about the loss of loved ones and their neighbors, and that's a real thing. People are going through... questions about their health. We have health right in front of us. That's a filter that we're seeing life through. People are looking at the filter of jobs that have been lost or businesses that are in trouble because they haven't been able to do their regular business or their investments have tanked. People have these things. We all have these things that we're looking at. Maybe what's in front of you right now is social distancing and the decisions that you have to make about family members you haven't been with in months who need some touch, who need some interaction, Or we're talking about personal protective equipment and how we should use it. We're talking about the opening of businesses and the opening of churches and the opening of uh, parks and recreation and all these things that we've drawn drawn here. Understand this. This is what's right in front of us. And if we're not careful, what's right in front of us will cause us to miss what God is saying, what Jesus is speaking to our hearts right now. We're in a time of crisis, and things in those times of crisis become tense, and we have a tendency to look and argue with each other rather than understanding what Jesus is saying. Listen, if you are a believer, if you're part of the kingdom of God, I want to challenge you right now. There are a lot of voices that are vying for your attention. There are a lot of authorities, political and religious and otherwise, that are vying for you to interpret what God is saying through a particular lens. And I want to encourage you, as Jesus did right now, to be aware to beware, to be aware, to watch out for ideas that are maybe even good ideas in some sense, but are not kingdom ideas that are superseding, that may have grown in your heart recently, or even over time, and right now, in this time, they're being revealed. Watch out for those things that are not kingdom, because it has results. It has an influence in our lives. Jesus was saying that his disciples should watch out because it creeps in. And this is exactly the place that we're tempted to experience right now. But here's the thing. We have a choice. Even as our deep-seated views, whether they're right or wrong, are revealed, we have a choice. We can see what is precious to us. When uh, When our frameworks are brought to the light, and listen, I'm talking specific frameworks. Like maybe in the midst of this, you've seen a divide between believers over a liberal approach or a conservative approach, a Republican or Democrat approach. Maybe you've seen it not just in the sense of politics, but even in religion, like, hey, we ought to do this. This is our right to worship. Or you've seen it in, hey, let's listen to the authorities, because God tells us that we ought to do that. We're seeing this divide that rises up, and in that place, it's a precious opportunity to see what's precious to our hearts and say, let me submit that to Jesus and to the kingdom of God, to the overarching words of the one who has called us to be part of his kingdom. Can I make a bold statement this morning? It's a good thing I don't have an audience in the room, because maybe you'd be a little bit tense about that. But I want to encourage you, beware of the leaven of Pharisees and of Herod. Beware of the teachings that take our focus off the master, who is ushering in the kingdom among us. We are kingdom people, and we ought to be kingdom Minded, We ought to take what is happening around us and filter it, not through our own bents and what we like or what has been growing inside of us, but filter it through the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that we don't have opinions, political or otherwise. I'm just saying let's let's watch out. Let's make sure that we're not sucked in, and let's let the king be the one whose voice pushes every other voice aside. Let's put our authority in the kingdom and the king first. See, Jesus, in his goodness, is moving his disciples to hear his voice. He moves his disciples, he focuses disciples and he, his disciples, and he brings us to the truth. And so he has this outbreak or outburst to the disciples when they're arguing amongst each other of questions. And this is how he brings us into the truth that we need to have. So if we're watching out for these other ideas and and maybe even just the circumstances around us that are clouding our judgment, how do we get to the truth? Jesus brings us to the truth by asking questions. And they're the same questions he asked his disciples. Let's look at them this morning. Mark chapter eight, starting in verse 17. Here are the questions that Jesus asked of his disciples. Why are you arguing about having no bread? He's saying to them, get out of the natural. Stop looking at the circumstances around you. Listen to what I have to say. Because I have something to say that you might not perceive in the natural. Two Question number two, he says, don't you know or understand even yet? He's saying there's something deeper going on around here. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a kingdom expansion. God is up to more than we can see. And it's not that we search around for who has the wisdom on this or what political party or what person that we follow has the, the, the line on this. We need to go to Jesus who said there's something that he wants us to understand, and it's deeper than what's right in front of us. Verse 3, are your hearts too hard to take it in? Jesus says this, it is a heart issue. For you and me, it's not about what the reality is around us. It's about how our heart perceives the reality around us. Let's let Jesus mold and shape our hearts so that our hearts become those places that the, King, the word of God sinks in deeply and accurately, and we can let him continue to transform the hearts because it has to do with our hearts. Then he asks these questions. He, has, he says, do you have eyes, but yet you can't see? In other words, come to my point of view. Don't look at what you're seeing in front of us. Don't say, yeah, but, but say, God, what do you see? I have eyes. You have given me eyes. Give me the eyes to see what you're seeing. He asks this. Do you have ears that you can't hear? Listen to what I'm actually saying. It's like when you're talking to your kids or when you're having intense fellowship with your wife or with your husband and you're, you're, you're talking but you're not really talking and you, you, everything within you is rising up saying, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Or maybe you did say it but you didn't even understand what you were saying or you're just getting a reflection of what's being received through your attitude and your words by the person that's with you. It's like spiritually stop. Let's just hear what he's saying. Jesus, clarify to our hearts what you want us to understand. He says, don't you remember anything at all? See, how he has acted in the past will tell you about his focus and his character for the future. Jesus said, you're arguing about bread. When I'm talking about spiritual things, don't you realize that I have the ability to have as much bread as you need? Then he asked them. he says, when I fed the 5,000, How many five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftover did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. Twelve baskets of leftover from five loaves of bread. And then he says, And when I fed the four thousand, listen, this just happened right before this account. When I remember, we were just there, four thousand people. How many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? In other words, he's saying, Listen, reference my power. The, 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 our enemies we were looking for a sign. They were demanding a sign. He said, for those who are my kids, I've already given you a sign of my power. I've already shown you my authority. How many were there? And they said seven. And then he asked this, don't you understand yet? It's an invitation to go deeper. See, when Jesus is bringing us to Revelation, to, to a, a change of heart, to a change of focus, and a change of vision, he doesn't just leave it at, hey, you need to change. He says, come on, let's go all the way in. See, yeast is not all bad. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, yeast is referenced as a positive effect. Here's what it says. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put it in a little yeast, three, in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. If you've made bread during this time, you know it's really just a little bit of yeast for a bunch of dough. It will grow, and it, if you, it will work its way through every bit of the flour and other ingredients that you've given it to. Jesus was inviting the disciples to an outbreak of understanding. And he's inviting you and me to that outbreak as well. And here's the key to having that outbreak of understanding in your life. Listen to the voice of the king when he talks to you about his kingdom. See, Jesus isn't motivated by a sign being demanded. He's not motivated by establishing his authority. He's motivated by compassion. In Mark chapter eight, verse two, the very beginning of this chapter, when Jesus feeds the four thousand, it says this: verse two in the New Living Translation, it says, "I feel sorry for this people." Another version says he felt compassion for them. Why is Jesus feeding us physically? Why is Jesus feeding us spiritually? Why is Jesus inviting us into the kingdom? It's because he loves us and he's moved by compassion for us. Why is he challenging us in this time as things rise up in our hearts and we're tempted to use filters and to jump into sides? He's saying, listen, I love you. I love you and I want to feed you my word because he is the bread of life. He's inviting us to eat from his storehouse. He says, I have more than enough for you physically, and I have more than enough for you spiritually. If you will just stop and listen, I will speak to your hearts. And so let me invite you into a practical step right now for every believer at this time. Let's stop and ask the Lord for eyes to see. Let's stop and ask the Lord for ears to hear. Let's stop and ask him, what have he done in the past to indicate his faithfulness to his people? What has he done in the past that maybe we experienced in a different way? We took it for something else. How has he been faithful? Maybe the faithfulness of God has been gathering in worship for you, and God's been always faithful to you through his people. And you're frustrated right now, and you feel alone, and you're like, I don't know what to do because I need to be together with God's people. Was that gathering together about God's people was that, or was that gathering together about the spirit of God in God's people invading your life? How could he speak to you right now and empower you right now? How he, could he continue to be faithful even through the people of God, maybe not physically, but digitally? I know we want to be together, but what does it look like to believe that God is able in all circumstances to do what he wants to do to invade our hearts and our lives and to bring his kingdom? Let's stop right now And ask him, God, would you, Jesus, would you take us deeper? And as he does in the leaven of the Pharisees or the leaven of Herod, the authorities of the world try to invade our hearts and our lives and bring us to a place where it grows into something that's not Jesus, where we miss what he's saying. As he brings those up, let's thank him for that. Let's celebrate the fact that he's opening up our hearts and he's bringing his kingdom to our hearts in a fresh way, because here's what I have confidence in. I have confidence that God is able to speak accurately to his people. I have confidence in the love of Jesus for his disciples to bring us to a fresh understanding and a kingdom focus. And I also have faith that God is able to fill us with his spirit and with courage and with power to be able to do what we have been called to do right now. There is nothing that separates us from the love of God. There is nothing that prevents the kingdom of God from breaking out. There's nothing that prevents the fruit of the Spirit being evidence in our lives. There is no law, Scripture says, against those fruits. So let's go to God and let's watch as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control rise up in us and we become kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused, and we become the people of God that don't hear other people's voices. The leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod doesn't grow in our hearts, but the leaven of the kingdom does, and it permeates every part of us, and it changes not only our lives, but as that leaven is working in us, it goes to other people that we share life with, and the kingdom of God grows in their lives as well. What would it look like for an outbreak of kingdom yeast in our lives, bringing the kingdom. Can I pray for you this morning? Listen, if you're watching this and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you've never given him control, you've never made him the Lord and received the free gift of salvation that he has, today you can start that process. You can agree to receive that gift of salvation. You can ask the Lord to come and to forgive your sins and to wash you clean and to make you part of his family and of his kingdom. All you have to do to start that process is to pray with me, From your heart, asking the Lord to make it real to you. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus because you loved us. And Jesus, we thank you that you came because you loved us. And that you died a sinner's death on the cross. And you paid the penalty for everyone's sin, including mine. And you invite us into relationship with you, whereby we can be your children and be reconciled to the Father, and made whole and made clean from our sin. So we receive that gift of salvation today. We thank you for it, and we ask you to come and fill our lives by your Holy Spirit, to take up residence with us, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear that we could follow you in relationship with you right now. We receive your salvation and the gift of your Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning, you have started the beginning of a relationship with God, recognizing a need for forgiveness and walking with him. If you don't have a church to attend, we invite you to continue to join us at 10 o'clock on Sundays as we worship together, but also let us know that you made that decision. We will try to get in contact with you and connect you with a group of believers who right now are meeting digitally so we can encourage you in your new decision to follow the Lord. And now, if you're with us and you're part of the church of Jesus Christ already, you've already surrendered your heart to the Lord. Today's a day for reformation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are speaking to us. Jesus, that you're speaking to us. Spirit of God, that you are speaking to us about the filters and the authorities of the earth that would come in and change the way we perceive you. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you for that warning. We thank you for bringing to light other filters and other ideas and other authorities that may be growing in our lives. And we invite you by your Spirit to let kingdom authority, the authority of the King, the authority of the Word of Jesus, come fresh to our hearts in the Scripture that we read and also by your Spirit, God, that you would speak to us specifically that the things that are around us would not be the reality that controls how we hear what you're saying. So, God, every time we hear from somebody else, every time something's exposed in our hearts, every time there's another authority that seeks to find its way into our lives, Father, we pray that there would be a breakout of your presence and of your kingdom among us, that we would walk with you like never before, that your people would continually be reformed, and there would be an outbreak of your kingdom through an outbreak of kingdom understanding. We thank you that you are so real and so near to us and so powerful in our lives. God, transform us as you remind us to stop and say, Jesus, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to see? What do you want us to understand? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, we are so excited that you're with us. We're blessed and honored that you would choose to worship with us this morning. We're going to have some slides that are running on the screen in just a few minutes. Opportunities for giving, opportunities for prayer, opportunities for you to be connected with New Covenant Church. We are honored to be here. We are blessed to be here. We are not going anywhere. We're looking forward to being together again. We'll let you know what that looks like. In the meantime, please join us every Sunday morning, 10 a.m., Facebook Live, Go to our YouTube channel as well, New Covenant Buffalo. You can find other videos, worship videos, things that will encourage you, updates throughout the week so that you will be connected with what we're doing digitally. But understand this, there is a time that we will be able to be back together. It will be glorious and will be wonderful, and we will never take for granted the opportunity to be together. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.